Who said, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade? Well, they were wrong. Welcome to the Take Aim Podcast, where we discuss how to take those lemons life gives you and throw them right back. If you are ready to change your thought process, take risks, and deliver a new you, then you are ready to take aim. Now, here is your host and number one change agent, Karenda Dion. Good evening, family, and welcome to the Take Aim podcast. This is your girl, Corinda Dion, your number one change agent. Yes, I said it, and I said it boldly and proud because I just know that as your number one change agent, you are living life on the promise of impact. And I am so glad that you have joined into a phenomenal show tonight. Now, as you you all should know this by now. Anytime uh, we have our podcast, which is 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Thursday, it's going to be a great show. It is going to be a great show. And I'm excited tonight because I don't just have one guest. I have two phenomenal guests. And not only that, they are both doctors. Oh, you all... (laughs) We are showing out tonight at the Take Aim table, and I can't wait to hear everything that they have to say as we talk about mental health. But family, I want to thank you for joining in. Your support for the Take Aim podcast has been phenomenal. We are over 1,300 listens, and it continues to grow. And you know, I could not do this by myself. It is your support, you listening in and tuning in week after week week. I'm just showing up to hear how you can live life on the promise of impact. Now, if this is your first time tuning in to the Take Aim podcast, welcome. Where have you been? But I'm so glad that you found us. And just know that if you are ready to change your thought process, if you are ready to take risk, if you are ready to deliver a new you, you are at the right place at the right time. Trust and believe me, your life will never be the same. If you need more information about your number one change agent and the Take Aim movement, please be sure to visit us on the web at CorindaDion.com. And just know every Thursday, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we are here 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, and I'm telling you, tonight's show is going to be absolutely amazing. You all know that I take very seriously who I bring to the table because we do not make lemonade on the Take Aim podcast. You all know that. We are all about taking aim, building our faith and our fortitude in order to become and do exactly what we have been destined to do. So tonight, ah, are you ready, family? I have two special guests at the table, Dr. Mary Ennis and Dr. Dwayne Thomas. And we are talking about mental health. We're talking about how COVID is also affecting mental health and the things that you need to know because this is something that we cannot sweep under the rug. So I'm glad that they're at the table. I want to welcome both of them, Dr. Mary Ennis and Dr. Dwayne Thomas. Welcome to the table tonight. Good evening. Good evening to you both. And I hope that you both are doing well and feeling well. And I hope that you both are staying safe. Uh, Good evening, Corinda. Good evening, Dr. T. And good evening to your audience. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Mary. So glad to have both you and Dr. Thomas on the show tonight. And, you know, we've got a full list of discussions and things we want to talk about. So we're going to jump in. But Dr. Thomas, I got to ask you first, do you have your lemons ready tonight? No lemons here. (laughs) Dr. Thomas. 
<laughs> You're ready to take aim. I know you are. <laughs> Laser focus. Laser focus. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Mary, are you ready to take aim? Do you have your lemons ready tonight? I have all of them. <laughs> I'm ready. All of them. I love it. All of them. Well, listen, let's jump in. And Dr. Mary, if you can just take just a moment and introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know a little bit more about you. Okay, so my name is Dr. Mary Taylor Ennis. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been practicing in the Baltimore area for, I would say, a little over 20 years. Um, My practice now is primarily virtual because of whatever is going on and mostly with adults, families, and couples. Um, My start in the psychology field, I often refer to myself as a late bloomer (laughs) in that I started back to school in my late 30s. Wow. My son was at Howard and I was at Morgan. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, my son helped me to pass um, trigonometry. Wow. <laughs> I graduated one year apart. I went to Catholic University and he went to Arizona State. So I was in Catholic in the psychology program there being the first African-American who had been in that department in over, I would say like 15 to 20 years. So it was very difficult getting through the program, but by the grace of God, with the support of friends and family and a financial grant that paid every dime of my tuition and wow. I made it through. Wow. Wow. And then I started my practice. Um, Sometimes later, I worked for the Institute for Life Enrichment for as a program manager for years until I decided to branch out on my own. Wow. So that's a little bit about me. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, hold on. Before Dr. T comes on, let me just let me just say this to our listeners because we're I'm very transparent with our listeners, and uh, you know, I am I am addressing Dr. Mary because she is Dr. Mary, but she is also unmarried to me. <laughs> she has been in my life and in the life of my family for a very long time. And so, um, yes, she is Dr. Mary, um, but I am sharing Dr. Mary and Aunt Mary with you all tonight. And a special shout out to Dennis, my God brother, who is amazing. So I just wanted to say that. Now, Dr. T, the floor is yours. Introduce yourself to our listeners and let, let us know more about yourself. All right. Well, uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me here uh, this evening. Um, It's always a blessing uh, being able to um, work in tandem with a person that I consider a mentor, a colleague, and a good friend, Dr. Ennis. And I want to send out a special hello to your um, listening audience. So I'm Dr. Dwayne Thomas. Uh, First, I'm a proud husband and a father of three young men. Uh, ages 12, 18, and 22, uh, the latter of which um, has special needs. Uh, Like Dr. Ennis, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice. Um, I have over 20 years of experience uh, providing direct mental health uh, services to children, youth, and families. Uh, Prior to going into clinical practice full-time, I was actually a standing faculty member at two universities, uh, University of Pennsylvania, Um, in the University of Virginia, Uh, but my scholarly ambitions continue. So in addition to uh, providing psychological services, I'm also heavily involved in prevention research. Uh, I'm currently a co-investigator for uh, two violence prevention programs uh, through Shepherd Pratt Health Systems, as well as John Hopkins Bloomberg School of uh, Public Health. Um, And each of the projects uh, focus on the development of thoughtfully responsive approaches to violence prevention programming um, in Baltimore City High Schools. 
um, as well as developing models to carry out uh, professional development training, not only uh, for school police, uh, but also for teachers, as well as developing a classroom-based um, equity literacy training um, for students. Um, what else can I say about myself? I'm just primarily interested in uh, promoting equitable practices and treatments for all students, but particularly uh, students from marginalized social groups, um, and figuring out ways to combat what we would call racial disparities in, in school discipline. Hmm. Um, proud to have published in each of these areas. And I decided to go into this field um, because fundamentally, Corinne, I am just interested in affecting positive change in the lives of marginalized um, populations as well as medically underserved um, individuals. So wow. um, I'm having a blast in the field. Wow. You know, I am just so excited to have both of you at the table and just learning more about your background, your passion, what got you started, um, why you are passionate about what you do. And Dr. Thomas, let me also give a very special, special shout out to you because you have been heaven sent uh, to my family as well. And just such a blessing um, in the, the counseling that you have been providing uh, to my parents. Parents, um, as we have been going through the, the grief of my brother, Evan. And so I had the awesome privilege in meeting you at the gala, uh, you and your wife, and it was just, it was wonderful. So thank you so much for all that you do. Oh, oh you're, you're certainly welcome. And the privilege is all mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we, you know, we want to talk a little bit about COVID-19. Um, as we know, it has affected you know, just just the entire nation. And uh, one of the areas specifically we want to talk about tonight is mental health. Um, so, Dr. Thomas, let me start with you. How has COVID-19 affected mental health? Well, Corinne, it has certainly impacted mental health, and I would say not for the better. But what we have found is that um, there has been an, um, an increasing uptick, as you will, and what we would refer to as internalizing disorders. And that includes like depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, adjustment and stress uh, problems and disorders. Um, not only has there been what I would call an exacerbation in problems uh, and symptoms for those who were previously diagnosed with any one or several of these mental health problems um, in terms of impacting the frequency, duration and magnitude of symptoms, um, but we're also seeing a surge in new cases as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes sense when you think about it, right? Because, you know, people are grappling with changes in daily routines, such as, you know, not going to work or, you know, changing where you're actually carrying out work. Uh, kids are not being in schools. Uh, there's increasing isolation that's caused by uh, social distancing. Um, there's a host of uh, relationship impairments and so forth. Um, a, a, a number of clients um, have talked about, you know, chronic worrying, um, mm. apprehension of fear of contracting the disease. And relatedly, um, there is this immense uncertainty, as you will, about one's own mortality if, if one was to uh, contract um, the disease, particularly in our communities. Uh, when we have a host of these uh, preconditions, um, as you as you will, and there's also the issue of grief, um, yeah. the grief of losing um, loved ones. Um, in fact, one of the things that has been shown recently uh, within research is that some of the effective symptomatology, as we call it, uh, for people currently impacted by COVID-19, um, it parallels in a lot of ways with traditionally uh, people suffering from what is referred to as chronic um, grief disorder. So, so we're seeing a lot of uh, problems that are, that are taking place out there um, and it's, 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 it's creating some issues that warrants, um, you know, psychological um, services. Mm, wow. Dr. Mary, would you like to add anything on how COVID-19 has affected mental health? Well, I think Dr. Thomas did a very nice job of covering mostly everything. I would just like to add that it also has increased the um, amount of alcohol that's being consumed. Mm. It's increased substance abuse. 
it's increased um, financial difficulties. Um, it's also, like he said before, the grief mm-hmm. of never in history. To my in my history, have I seen um, people not able to go to a traditional funeral? And you know, we in the black community, that's one thing that we've always done is have a funeral so now you know you're not even able to do that you're limited to i know at one time it was 10 10 people per um funeral so you had to either be do see it virtually or Mm -hmm. not at all and that's something that we are not used to and it also impacts what dr t said about um the, the grief and the depression and the anxiety I mean all of that mm. it just it just it's just piling on and on and on already what we have um to deal with so it's just exacerbated all of our ills wow mm-hmm. wow and, 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 and I also add and, and thank you Dr. Ennis for that um, and she also led me to think about on the other end of the continuum as well, um, some of the externalizing issues. You know, Dr. Mm-hmm. Ennis um, rightfully discussed uh, substance use disorders, but uh, we're also seeing the increases in bitterness and rage and, and apathy. You know, people mm-hmm. just, just giving yeah. up um, because they just don't feel like that, you know, people don't care or, you know, the circumstances or outcomes um, can be, you know, somewhat um, gloomy or hopeless. And so, we're seeing that, and, and obviously when, when you look at all of these different things working in concert, it can also put strains on relationships. And yeah. we know from exactly. a psychological perspective that you know having um, you know very solid uh, relationships can actually buffer um, you know the risk of some of these problems. But you know, but with these relationship strains, um, that's also increasing risk. Wow. Wow. So it's, it's definitely, um, it is definitely something that has to be talked about. Um, just listening to both of you, um, how some of these major challenges are taking place and has it been difficult? Um, Dr. Mayor, I'll ask you this. Has it been difficult in your personal practice, um, to really get a feel for your clients because you have to move uh, a lot of things virtually instead of being in person? Or has that not been a, a major challenge for you? Well, one of the major challenge, challenges for me was going virtual in an office at home mm-hmm. and trying to recreate the same atmosphere as my office at work. Mm. So when you come into my office, Corinda, there's a peace, there's a calmness, there's an Afrocentric decor that just kind of puts you at ease. Mm -hmm. Then I have an office manager who is patient and kind, who greets you with a soothing voice that makes you feel at home. So then you walk into my office, and sometimes I'll have music playing. Sometimes I will have um, fragrances, you know, things like that to make you really feel comfortable. So that has been one of the major challenges for me. How can I create that same atmosphere here in my home office? So... I try to um, play music in the background when I'm talking to people. Sometimes if the weather's nice and it's not too hot, mm-hmm. I'll take them outside with me and sit under my tree and we will have our session there. So it's all about trying to make the client really feel at peace, feel comfortable, and have a great experience you know, with someone that they're, that they've invited into their life. Wow. So that's been my, that's been my number one challenge. Wow. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dr. Thomas? Um, I, I think Dr. Ennis, like, really uh, hit, hit it on the head here. Um, and, and, you know, not everyone is, is comfortable 
you know, with this uh, uh, teletherapy video conferencing platform, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so we have some mm -hmm. clients that are not technologically savvy um, to actually use the different options um, that are that are out there. Um, we have some individuals where that get easily distracted mm -hmm. uh, because of you know their presenting problems. Um, so that creates an issue. Um, and some clients, and they would openly express that they just, you know, would rather prefer, you know, just that face-to-face, -face, more personal contact uh, with the therapist. Um, as Dr. Ennis, um, I think, vividly, um, you know, pointed out, uh, a number of clients see therapy as a, as, as a respite, right? It's, it's an escape mm -hmm. uh, from some of the stresses that are taking place at home. Uh, and, and you think about home sometimes being... Uh, the genesis of, of some of the problems that folks are having mm -hmm. and, and certainly maintaining some of the issues and not being able to escape that uh, for that 45 minutes to an hour uh, or what have you um, could, could, could be a problem for some clients. So, so that's some of the challenges that I've seen. Um, but I, I think on the flip side, um, I've had some clients to you know express just the joy of being able to let me into their home space, mm -hmm. right? Uh, their personal sanctuary or what have you. Um, so it, it, it gives somewhat of a uh, of a modified, I don't know, maybe like a home base type of therapy <laughs> type of a situation for, for some individuals. So it, it, it makes, it, yeah. there's a mix. Okay. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Um, but it, it, it definitely is clear that there has been major adjustments that both of you all have had to make in the process. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Thomas, how important is it to seek professional help during this time? Um, I, I think it's critically important. Uh, Corinne, as, you know, as the situation demands, um, it's, it's important. Um, one of the things that I look for or something that I would um, express um, often is that, you know, an ounce of prevention sometimes is better uh, than a pound of intervention, uh, particularly when we're thinking about crisis situations for individuals. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's important, you know, so even at the, the very primordial or very early stages of uh, problem situations for individuals to, to actually seek out uh, professional help, um, to maybe even get some guidance on some self-help strategies that maybe they can um, impart or, or implement within their homes um, kind of early on. Um, but just like, you know, one would not want to disregard or negate the importance of uh, seeking uh, assistance for one's uh, physical health problems, mm -hmm. um, one should also not um, disregard, uh, put off, or belittle the importance of, of seeking professional help for mental health issues, particularly during this time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Dr. Mary, anything you want to add to that? No, basically, I'm Dr. Thomas covered it. Yeah. So the only thing I would add is, you know, when you're starting to feel overwhelmed to the point that you don't know what to do, you're experiencing symptoms of anxiety, chronic worry, fatigue, mm. grief, depression, substance abuse, then it's time to seek help. When you get to the point where you can't manage it on your own, Mm -hmm. and you can't manage it with the support of others, then it's time to seek professional help. Absolutely. Help. Absolutely. And that, that leads me to, to talk um, about our Black community, um, Dr. Mary. And, you know, there, there has always been this negative, you know, stigma about counseling and or seeking professional help. Um, what, 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 what would you say about that? Why... Why has that been such a negative, you know, stigma that, you know, the black community, you just, you just don't do that? Well, several reasons. I think the first is trust. Mm. Um, in general, I don't think we trust the establishment mm -hmm. and we have good evidence not to. Mm -hmm. So for example, the Tuskegee study mm. where they intentionally injected syphilis into African-American males and then denied them treatment just so they could see the course of the disease. Wow. So that's one thing. Another thing is 
improper diagnosis, and Dr. Thomas, she could probably speak to this more so than me, but Black folk have the unfortunate um, what uh, I can't unfortunately have been diagnosed with probably the worst mental illness that there is. Mm. Um, so if you were experiencing um, symptoms and you could say, and you would say something like, I heard my mother speak to me, your mother happens to be dead or passed away, you would sometimes get the diagnosis of schizophrenia. Mm. So that's probably one of the worst diagnoses one could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is most of the times because of the diagnosis, you're overly medicated. And you see people walking around like zombies. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to adequately function. And another one is not understanding the culture. You wow. know, so that goes back to if you don't understand our culture, how do you really treat us? Mm. So that needs to be taken into consideration. Wow. And thinking that being a mental health professional is a weakness. It's a moral and spiritual weakness because we've always relied on the black church. Yes. So if you go outside of the black church, then you're not spiritual. Mm. There's something wrong with your relationship with God. Right. Um, Going to a mental health professional, oftentimes you're you're viewed as crazy. Mm -hmm. So no one wants to have that label. So they avoid going. Wow. And one of the last things, you know, that I want to say is that we are viewed as the strong people. So we survived slavery. We're surviving racism. So we don't think that uh, a little depression needs help. Mm. We survive that, so pretty much we can survive anything. Wow. Dr. T, you want to add some more? Well, well listen, I, I would just be echoing a lot of what you've already um, mm-hmm. expressed. Okay. I mean, I, 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 honestly, I think you covered um, the full gamut. Um, everything from just uh, historical, uh, unethical mm-hmm. practices um, you know, towards the black community or against the black community. Yeah. Um, you also um, spoke, you know, quite clearly about, you know, cultural mistrust. I mean, there's a, an immense degree of cultural mistrust uh, that we have in our community against individuals outside of the community and the medical profession, and, and for good reason. And in fact, um, I wouldn't even pathologize the whole concept of cultural mistrust, <laughs> right? I think there's a functional value Mm. Um, of of being a, a bit, you know, vigilant um, about making sure that you're not mistreated. Um, and Dr. Ennis also talked yeah. about disparities um, in mental health. I mean, oftentimes yeah. um, they're too extreme. Either, uh, either rather, we're underdiagnosed, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, there are a number of issues that oftentimes go untreated, particularly for kids, right? Um, so kids that are not properly. Um, identified as having like learning challenges and things of that nature that would warrant um, like individual education plans and other types of resources and supports um, that would help them in schools. But then there's the flip side of that, of being overdiagnosed and oftentimes overdiagnosed with some of the most um, extreme um, disorders, right? Um, So internalizing disorder, um, you know, some like antisocial personality disorder, schizophrenia, and this is already indicated for bipolar disorder as well, um, which yeah. is really yeah. overdiagnosed out there. So um, I think she she just covered it very well. And yeah. she also mentioned the fact that we, as a community, oftentimes like to keep things kind of like in house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> because there's this and because uh, history and a, and a number of different experiences. Um, has taught us um, to be very be wary um, about really expressing or articulating problems that are that are happening with you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of families oftentimes are concerned about um, their children being not only not only labeled um, but also maybe even displaced from their homes, right? Um, because of some you know psychological condition. Um, we do go to our pastors for support. Um, also, beauty shops and barber shops. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> therapy, um, armchair therapy that yeah. we get from those types of experiences. So, so sometimes yeah. it's a bit of, of an anomaly um, to go outside of that um, to talk to a professional. And oftentimes a professional where there's this cultural mismatch, right? Mm-hmm. So individuals that don't come from your community, um, individuals that have the privilege of not having to worry too much about your community, mm-hmm. as well as the privilege of not even being in tune or sensitive to their own cultural biases. Wow. That's, that is so, so true what you both said. And, and listen, I can attest, especially to uh, the beauty salons and, you know, I, I feel like I have had, you know, we just conducted so many counseling sessions in there <laughs> and I'm sure you can say the same about barbershops, but that, that is so, so, so true. And um, gosh, you know, it, it, it makes sense what you all are saying. And I'm so glad that uh, both of you are on and talking about this from a professional standpoint so that we can get clarity um, and that, you know, we can feel comfortable and not, you know, feel that it's a negative thing um, based upon some of the things that you all have shared. So I appreciate that. And listeners, I'm telling you, I hope that you are enjoying uh, what we are talking about tonight. We're talking about mental health. Be sure um, to, to, to share this with your family, your friends, your coworkers, because we definitely need to talk about this. Um, and so thank you for joining. If you're just joining, you're going to have to go back uh, and really listen to this podcast from the beginning because we have covered uh, some really great ground in regards to mental health and how um, it is affecting our communities and our nation at large. Um, Dr. Thomas, let me let me ask you this, because both you and Dr. Mary, you know, you, you all help so many people with their problems. But how do you keep yourself mentally healthy? OK, well, that, that's a good question. Um, first and oh. foremost, I, I make it a priority. Uh, to keep myself mentally healthy. So it, it's something that I deliberately and intentionally um, try to maintain. Um, you know, there's this, uh, there's this protocol that you, you, you go through when you get on an airplane, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the stewardess stand up and the stewardess says to you, well, you know, in the case of, a, of an emergency, you know, you first have to put um, the oxygen mask on yourself first, right? Yeah. Uh, before you can help others. And as a parent, that's right. so counterintuitive, right? Because your first thought is to save your children. Right? <laughs> but right. It's, it's critically important, though, uh, to really take care of yourself because if you're not taking care of yourself, um, then it really limits and undermines, um, you know, what you can do for other people. Um, also in terms of the quality of what you can do um, for other people. So just to be more specific and concrete, uh, one of the things that I put a priority on is really staying connected with family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's important. Um, we were talking offline about the importance of maintaining um, a healthy work and, and, and life, personal life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very important. Um, I personally make it um, a habit of mine to check in with, with my son um, every day. So I'm checking in with him, not only collectively and doing things together, uh, but also individually, right? So whether it's uh, going outside and practicing basketball with my youngest son or working out um, with my oldest son, who you know, goes through his own personal uh, physical therapy, or, or maybe taking rides uh, with my second oldest, okay? And to talk about uh, a number of different um, life stage goals that, you know, that he has for himself um, at this developmental juncture. Um, I also engage in a number of mindfulness type strategies. Um, I, I think it's very important, critically important um, to meditate. Um, I try to meditate twice a day, um, first thing in the morning, um, as well as um, in the evenings um, before um, resting. Um, I also think it's important for everyone to have a cleansing ritual. And mm. this is something that um, I advise to all of my clients. So irrespective of what's going on in your day, it doesn't matter. Always think about what is a way that you can unwind and let go of the day. How do you find a way to maybe um, literally or figuratively uh, wash off the toxins from your day? Mm. So that can be going mm-hmm. from I go for a walk every day, at least 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I walk, I walk, mm-hmm. um, that's my own private time with my wife. We'll take walks together. 
um, at seven o'clock, we're watching Steve Harvey, right? We're watching <laughs> Steve Harvey uh, with the family. You watch a family feud. Watching movies, lifting weights, uh, participating in martial arts. That's my sanctuary. Um, and also reading is very important. Um, my boys and I, we're, we're starting to read the book by uh, um, Tanasi Coates around, you know, Between the World and Me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I established a, a reading group uh, with my colleagues at work. Um, we're going to, you know, really dissect uh, White Fragility uh, by Robin DiAngelo, as well as How to Be an Anti-Racist uh, by Abram X. Uh, Kendi. And so... So those are some ways that I, I, I just try to keep myself uh, mentally fit um, and ready uh, to do the work that I do. That That's great. And Dr. Mary, what, what would you, um, how would you answer that? What do you do to keep yourself mentally healthy? So I try to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that Dr. T said was, you know, staying in contact with family and friends. I do that often. Um, setting boundaries. That's one thing that we as psychologists have a difficult time doing mm-hmm. because we're in the health profession and sometimes we take on the persona that we can help everybody. Mm-hmm. We want to, but we can't. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that and setting boundaries for yourself is a must. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also tell my clients to set limits on social media. Oh, wow. Because if you, yeah, if you are listening to whatever is going on with the pandemic, um, with the protest, with 45, 24-7, it's not good for your emotionality. It's not good for you mentally. So, and like Dr. Thomas said, I think you should read but you need to read from credible sources because information mm-hmm. is power. Yes. You know, I want you to read, but be be selective in your choice. Mm-hmm. I also tell my clients to meditate. Take five, ten minutes and just relax yourself, calm yourself, meditate on something that's beautiful. If you need to pray, prayer is also a source of meditating. Yes. Deep breathing is a source of meditating. These are things to help you bring yourself back to what we call baseline. Mm-hmm. And exercising. Like Dr. Thomas, he walks every day 30 minutes. I walk at least three to five times a week. Three, two to three miles. Mm-hmm. So in the morning, and that's to get myself ready for my clients during the day. Mm. Um, eating healthy, you know, mm. make good food choices. It's good for your body. Yeah. And and when you're, you know, when you're home, uh, listen to music, uh, dance. Like my friend said, dance like no one's watching. Yeah. My brother told me. <laughs> I love like it. No one's I love it. <laughs> I don't want anybody to watch because I don't have much rhythm, so that's good for me. Right, exactly. so, so that's how you do it, you know. You just get out there and you just do it because no one's watching you, so you don't have to feel like, you know, you have to do it perfectly. Right. So those right. are some, some of the things that really help me to, yeah. you know, to take care take good care of myself. That's good. And I like, I like the things that you all said. Um, and a lot of it does start too from the, from the inside out, you know, I think it's very powerful how you talked about, um, you know, being mindful about what you eat, being mindful about what you listen to, what you're watching. Um, because all of that, you know, can be, they can become triggers. And, and so, um, Dr. Mary, you did, you, you kind of talked about this earlier, um, but just in case someone is uh-huh. just tuning in, um, again, what are some triggers that people should pay attention to when it's time to seek professional help? Okay. So when you find that you cannot effectively manage your stress, mm-hmm. when it's affecting your sleep, when you're worried all the time, when you have racing thoughts and you can't cut 
shut them down, mm-hmm. then it's time for you to, you know, think about seeing somebody. Mm-hmm. When you're feeling so down that nothing matters, when you don't have the fight anymore, you know, when mm. you just have that whatever, mm-hmm. you know, wow. attitude. I, I have, yeah, it, it, then it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, something is wrong. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like the externalizing issues. When you're so angry that you feel like you're going to explode. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're so irritable that no one can even look at you. Mm. Um, so, you know, these are times when you when you think you when I think you should kind of check yourself, yeah. like what's really going on. Mm-hmm. 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 And when you find yourself drinking more or self-medicating with marijuana mm-hmm. or drugs mm-hmm. or however you self-medicate, then maybe it's time that you consider talking to a professional. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What about you, Dr. T? Um, I, I couldn't agree with your assessment more. <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> one, once again, um, I, I think you've, you've covered... Uh, much of the ground Um, and I think a a lot of it can be summed up into um, you know being on the lookout for any changes in in routines and habits Mm -hmm. uh, that a person may have so if you think about it for a minute let's say if a a person is uh, traditionally like a gregarious type of a person kind of outgoing Mm -hmm. now this person is just kind of reticent kind of withdrawn Mm -hmm. to themselves a lot Mm -hmm. Um, that can be a, a, a warning sign person that's that's generally a happy right uh, person pleasant person um, now they're irritable um, apathetic um, as Dr. Ennis talked about uh, another thing to look out for would be um, any type of changes in, in someone's appearance right mm-hmm. so if a person mm-hmm. is no longer caring about um, how they dress um, you know they're looking to shovel um, their hygiene is off okay mm-hmm. uh, perhaps the person is, is not sleeping enough uh, with insomnia, or perhaps um, it's oversleeping. Uh, um, you know, they tended to sleep um, throughout the day. Uh, diminished appetite. So, to the extent that eating healthy um, is a protective factor, as Dr. Ennis talked about. Yeah. Um, what if a person has a diminished appetite? Um, that just just don't feel the need uh, to consume um, any type of food. Um, also, um, it, it, it's okay to, you know, kind of think about, you know, the problems that, that you're having, but when there's an over preoccupation uh, with problems, just this, this, this recurring um, thought, you just can't get it out of your mind, just racing thoughts like Dr. Ed has talked about. Um, also, something is very important, um, as she described, was this, this whole notion of what we call anhedonia, when you're not finding enjoyment and satisfaction from things that you previously of found satisfaction and enjoyment with, right? So mm-hmm. we talked about the importance of reading. Well, let's, let's just say you like to read, but now you just cannot find the motivation to read. Um, you were the best cook in the family. I mean, that was your favorite pastime, but now you no longer care uh, to cook. Um, and for the adults out there that's listening, um, maybe someone has a, a, a diminished interest in sex, okay? Mm-hmm. Or just, just no interest right. in sex um, um, at all. Uh, I will be remiss um, as a service provider um, and as a mandated reporter um, to not also put out there um, if someone is engaging in suicidal behavior, okay? So whether it's just just gestures or talking about, you know, not wanting to be here anymore, perhaps my family, the world will be better without me and so forth, um, all the way to, you know, making some type of um, actual attempt. Um, And in fact, uh, what we find in our work is that the biggest predictor of whether someone would actually commit suicide um, is whether there were any past suicidal attempts. Okay, so if you know somebody in your family uh, that has that form of history, uh, then it's critically important to consider all these issues. And also Dr. Ennis um, also talked about um, an increase in substance use and abuse. Um, and that tends to go hand in hand with, with uh, suicidation. Um, in fact, what we find is that alcohol and some other drugs, it actually lowers one's inhibition to actually carry out certain behaviors. So um, it's not a good recipe when one is having depressive symptoms, but also one is uh, self-medicating with different forms of substance because if, if they have the idea 
uh, of, of harming themselves if, if they're using substances, then they, they may um, go along uh, um, with the dean. Um, and what I would also put out there to the audience is this. Um, if you suspect that someone may be at risk of committing suicide, um, it's not enough to ask them, um, hey, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Or are you thinking about harming yourself? Uh, one of the guidelines that I would give is to directly ask them, are you thinking about killing yourself? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about how yeah. poignant that is, right? So if you ask yeah. them, uh, are you thinking about killing yourself? Okay, if they're not thinking about that, then you know they will be quite alarmed, right? Or offended if you even ask them that question, right? right? So, right. so you would know directly um, versus someone that's a bit, you know, tentative or, or um, a bit evasive in, in, in answering the question. Um, and, and lastly, I will say, um, also be on the lookout for what we call perceptual disturbances as well. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. um, any presence of what we call hallucinations or um, defining that, you know, the perception of an external stimulus when none exists. And it can um, manifest itself across each of the five sensory domains. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we find in our profession, um, the most uh, predominant would be auditory and visual hallucinations. They're the most common. So if there's any indications of that, or maybe some type of a, a delusional disturbance or some bizarre form of thinking, whether it's paranoid, uh, persecutory, or maybe even a grandiose um, form of thinking, uh, like someone has special powers or whatever the case may be, or uh, you think that you can drain bleach and, and clear COVID-19 or something like that. <laughs> right, yeah. forty-five. Exactly. And, and you exactly. Know, all of these different issues are uh, some things that we want to pay attention to and to seek out Wow. This, this, you know, I, again, I am so glad to have you both at the table and, um, it's just been phenomenal just to hear the information from you all as professionals and as experts. And I know that this information is truly impacting and helping our listeners out there. And so I'm so, so grateful for that. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. And we're, we are almost out of time, but I do want to get okay. a couple more questions in because I think this topic is so powerful. So, uh, Dr. Mary, given our current state, should we as a nation be concerned in regards to mental health or mental illness as we strive to get through this pandemic? Well, you know, Corinda, um, I believe in the wellness of the whole person. So, I believe in physical health, emotional, mental health, and I also believe in spiritual health. Mm -hmm. So the greater majority of the money so far is being spent on physical health, which is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental health has always taken a back burner to physical health. It's not until the opioid epidemic that money is now being allocated to mental health. And that's probably more so because the people who are dying more readily from opioid abuse don't look like us. Right. So now it's becoming an emergency. We've got to do something about it, which I'm glad that they are. So hopefully that money will now flow into other areas, you know, like depression and anxiety, which are also very debilitating, if not treated, mm. if not treated. Yeah. And it cost the nation billions of dollars from decrease in the workforce, mm-hmm. um, people applying for disability, going on disability, relationship issues, domestic violence, child abuse, all of that. Mm. And like Dr. Thomas said, the suicide rate uh, which is the tenth leading cause in the U.S. in nineteen in two thousand eighteen, over forty eight mil forty eight thousand Americans died by suicide. Mm-hmm. So all of that is included in mental health, and that's why it needs to now become just as important Absolutely. as physical health, mm-hmm. if not more important. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and and. Dr. Thomas, 
you know, real talk at the table, real talk at the table. Um, there are people who I believe they really are sensitive to what's happening with themselves, their mind, their body, their spirits. They know something is off. They know something isn't right, but they are reluctant in seeking professional help because they fear being dependent upon medication. Um, right. What would you say in response to that? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I would acknowledge that um, medication may be something that uh, may assist them with whatever issue that they're dealing with. Okay, so uh -huh. I have to be uh, very honest about that because, um, you know, we're dealing with brain disorders um, in some instances. Uh -huh. we're, we're dealing with some chronic conditions. I mean, we're dealing with conditions, for instance, um, with depression and anxiety where uh, there's an imbalance in serotonin. Okay, so, so these are natural hormones uh, that we produce. Um, that are being impacted. And so, um, so sometimes um, it's best to think about how, you know, call uh, therapy, which is the services that we provide and whatever modality you choose, maybe in, in, in tandem uh, with medication um, may actually be, be necessary. And one of the things that I, 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 I oftentimes I'll tell people, particularly parents um, who are resistant to even the idea um, of considering medication, uh, particularly for a situation where it may be warranted. Uh, it, it's almost like putting your child in a race, okay, and tying one appendage behind his or her back and expecting that child to go, right? So it's, it's uh, on the surface, ostensibly, it's unfair, right? Mm -hmm. So just as we would approach a, a physical health issue, uh, where medication may be warranted. Um, the same could be said by uh, some um, mental health issues um, as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be the first option, um, but maybe it's an option that, that may be considered given the presenting problem issue. Hmm. Makes sense. Um, Dr. Mary, quickly, is there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I think you covered it well. Okay, I, I agree. I agree. And and thank you for that example, um, Dr. Thomas, because, you know, sometimes it's amazing, but sometimes when you have that example um, that you can relate to, it helps to make the picture clearer. So I, I do, I, I appreciate you unpacking that. That's something that we say on the uh, Taking Podcast. We talk about unpacking. So I thank you for unpacking that very well. Um, and so thank you for that. And any final words of encouragement that you all would like to share with our listeners tonight? Dr. Mary, I'll start with you. Do you have any final words of encouragement or advice or anything you would like to say? Yes. Um, I have two quotes that I'd like to share. And I know you're familiar with those. <laughs> it's always darkest before the dawn mm -hmm. and this too shall pass. Yeah, amen. So when we, yeah. So when we look at the Spanish flu epidemic, pandemic, from February of 1918 to April of 1920, we know that 500 million people were infected. Mm. At that time, that was two thirds of the world's population. We know that. 50 million died worldwide and 675,000 died in the U.S. So I'm praying we don't get close to these statistics. Yeah. But then what follows this? We were hit with the roaring 20s where we had decades of economic growth, construction, and fun. So that shows that this too shall pass. Yes, yes. So what do we do? Yeah, mm. so we, we can be hopeful. Absolutely. And so what do we need to do? We need to follow the guidelines, you know, set by the CDC. Yes. We need to wear our masks. We need to physically distance. Yes. We need to wash our hands. We need to stay um, isolated if you feel sick. So, you know, just doing what we know we can do to protect ourselves and to protect others, that's what we have to do. 
Absolutely. Well said. And Dr. Thomas, what about you? Any final words of encouragement that you would like to share? Um, I, I would say building off of what Dr. Dana said, um, as long as we're, we're conscientious and, and we're vigilant, uh, we, we will prevail. I mean, history has shown us that, right? Yeah. Whether it's uh, uh, through the Middle Passage, whether it's through slavery, uh, the antebellum South, whether it's Reconstruction, yeah. um, post-Reconstruction, Jim Crow, um, or what have you, we have prevailed. Um, you know, not only are we grappling with this whole COVID-19 um, crisis, um, but we're also dealing with another pandemic, right, of, of just racial stress and uh, right. racism. Yeah. And we're at a point in our history, you know, where the Zed guys is, uh, we're having a reckoning right now on racial issues um, in the United States. But I think of a quote uh, from Frederick Douglass, and Frederick Douglass, and I'll just paraphrase him when he talks about that without struggle, there will be no progress. And so true. we have proven uh, from time to time uh, that we are resilient people, um, and even through this struggle, we will come out on the other end, and we will prevail. Absolutely. Well said. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This has been absolutely amazing. And again, I am so, so honored and grateful that, you know, you both took time out of your schedules to just pour into our listeners, your knowledge, your expertise, your heart, your passion, and it definitely is making an impact. And I do want to uh, have you both give your information. If someone, um, maybe they're listening or they know of someone um, and they are just in a sense of urgency, they wanna get um, your information to that person or use it for themselves. Um, Dr. Mary, how, what is the best way that someone can contact you? So my email is doc, D-O-C, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R-N-S-E-N-N-I-S-7 at gmail.com. So that would be the best way to contact me at this time. Okay. And Dr. Mary, could you repeat your email address one more time? Doc, Taylor, N-S-7 at gmail.com. Perfect. And Dr. Thomas, what is the best way to contact you? Um, email is also the best way to get in contact with me. Um, I'll give you two email addresses. Uh, the first is doctor, that's D-R, uh, period. My first name is Dwayne, D-U-A-N-E, period, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, at gmail.com. Um, the second email address is D Thomas. 53 at jhu.edu. Okay, perfect. And listeners, don't worry. I will also include their email addresses in the um, the Take Aim podcast uh, when I send it out so you will have it. So don't worry. I want to make sure that you have their information because I'm telling you, um, they, have, they have such a wealth of knowledge, experience, and expertise. And this is the time that we need to act. We do not need to uh, just sit still or just you know, think, oh, it'll just pass over. No, if you need help, if you know someone who needs help, this is the time to act. So I'll make sure that you all have their information as well. Again, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to both Dr. Mary Ennis and to Dr. Dwayne Thomas for coming to the table. I hope that you all have enjoyed your time at the table. I know that I have. This has been such a wonderful show tonight and you have just made it awesome and sharing all of the information that you have through education, through experience, through passion. Um, and it just, you can just feel it. And so thank you both again for coming to the table. And, um, I do have just two quick last questions. And, you know, I was thinking about maybe I'll skip these questions, but I can't do that because anyone who comes to the table, I ask these two questions every single time. Um, the first question, and I'll start with you, Dr. Mary. Um, I am a hopeless romantic. I can't help it. I just am by nature. Um, so my first question to you is who do you love tonight? And are you for sure? I thought about this too as well, Corinda. So <laughs> my answer is kind of broad, but 
I love my higher power, mm. who I refer to as God. I love my son, my grandson, my daughter-in-law, my sisters, my brothers, my nieces, my <laughs> nephews, my extended family. I love family. Uh, yes. I love my friends, especially friends that are from the H crew. <laughs> I have great friends. <laughs> Yes, and you love life, Aunt Mary. And I'm, and I'm, right. Yeah, and I and I love the African American community. That's right. I yes. do. I I just I so want to see us love each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. My heart. Yeah, my heart just hurts when I hear about. So much black on black crime. Yeah. I think about the people who are risking their lives to protect, to protest, and to claim Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I want us to also understand and value our own lives and value each other's lives. Absolutely. And Dr. Mary, what are you grateful for tonight? So, um, Corinda, Dr. T, I'm grateful for life. Yes. Mm. Because, you know, when we wake up each morning, we hear the statistics. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just grateful for life. I'm Love grateful it. for life or just, yeah. Love just it. Life in general. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I'm grateful for my family, my friends. I'm grateful for purpose. I'm grateful that, you know, I have the opportunity and the privilege to help when I can. Yeah. Um, this has not been an easy journey for me, but mm -hmm. it's been God ordained, if you want to say. Absolutely. Because this, for me, has been a calling that God placed on my life in my late 30s. And I had no choice but to pursue it. And he opened doors that no man could shut and shut doors that no man could open. There's no doubt in my mind that God did not plan this for my life. Even though it took me a while to get on the right road, <laughs> I eventually got there. You got there. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm grateful for purpose. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Dr. T, you're up next. First question, let our listeners know. Who do you love tonight and are you for sure? All right. Well, if you don't mind, I, I think I'll merge the two um, in terms of who I love and um, who I'm grateful for. That's okay. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost, I love and I'm grateful for God's blessing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I am truly appreciative of the way that he has directed my life. Um, even with the lessons that I've had to learn uh, through personal adversities and hardships, and one of the more mm -hmm. uh, notable hardships, and this is something that I alluded to earlier, um, is being yes. a father of a son um, who is a brain cancer survivor. Um, yes. And yes. his condition has you know, left him with uh, a complex array of disabilities. Um, but as he continues to work towards regaining his physical mobility, mm. um, as well as his um, other activities of daily living. Um, you know, he is such an immense example of resilience and self-determination in my life. So um, yes. with that, um, I will also end as I began by saying <laughs> that I love and I have the utmost gratitude for my wife um, and my yeah. three sons. Um, and I would like to echo uh, with Dr. Ennis said, um, I'm also truly grateful uh, for the cadre of extended kinship networks that I have in my life, um, the mentors and colleagues like Dr. Ennis. I, I am grateful that Dr. Ennis went on that trajectory within her 30s to get her degree. Yes. She was a trailblazer, <laughs> and she has just been a, just a phenomenal everything within my professional development um, and someone that I can lean on for support. Um, so she's truly been a blessing, um, as well as other colleagues who enrich my life and support my efforts um, to affect positive change in the lives of others. So those are the things that I love and I'm grateful for. That 
is awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you both again for coming to the table. And please know you have an open invitation. Whenever you would like to come back to the table, you are welcome. Just say the word. And, um, and you know, it might also be a great thing to do a part two, um, a little bit, you know, down the road in the future, have you both back. Uh, so we can talk mental health again, because it's just that important. So again, from, from my heart, thank you so much for coming to the table and sharing so much wealth. And and please, I, I also want you to know, being at the table with Dr. Mary Ennis and Dr. Dwayne Thomas, I have learned some new vocabulary words tonight. <laughs> so I am grateful for that. Oh my goodness. I took notes tonight, but on a serious note, thank you both again for coming to the table and just being a blessing, um, just sharing you, your passion and your expertise. Listeners, again, I hope that you have enjoyed the show tonight. As a matter of fact, I know that you did. I'm telling you, there's no way uh, that you could have listened to this entire podcast and you're, you're just the same. There has, there has to have been something that was said that has changed your thought process, that has allowed you or challenged you to take some risks and to deliver a new you. So again, I will make sure that you all have their contact information so that you can reach out to them. Please save the date. Uh, We are out of time, but do save the date, July 25th. um, I will be doing part one of our coffee and chat, how to deal with anger and move forward peacefully. So this is going to be a series, a four-part series. Be sure to register. Go to our site at CorindaDion.com and you can register. Uh, This is a free event. The coffee and chats are our huddle. We huddle up so that we can get ready for our next move. So please be sure to register. Um, Seating is limited, so you don't want to waste time there. Also, we are launching our book club. Yes, on July the 30th, we are launching our book club. Uh, It is for women, and we are going to read some amazing books. We're starting off with my book, Perfect Patty Messed Up Devotional. It's not too late to join. Again, all of the information is on our website at CorindaDion.com. And last but not least, I want to give a very special shout out, a very special happy birthday shout out to my mom A. I do not call her my stepmom. She is my mom A. She is so special and dear to me. She is celebrating her birthday this coming Friday. So happy birthday to mom A. And um, yes, yes, I hear Dr. Thomas and Dr. Mary saying happy birthday to you. So we celebrate you and all that your future holds. So listen, listeners, we are out of time, but guess what? I, as I always say to you, every podcast, making lemonade is a choice. It is a choice, but I dare you. I dare you to take aim. This has been your girl, Corinda Dion, your number one change agent. Until next time, live life on the promise of impact. You've been listening to the Take Aim Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or visit our website at CorendaDion.com. Until next time, live life on the promise of impact.